On November the 1st, 1978, the seminal album Live at the Portland Arms by the Soft Boys was recorded. Almost 40 years to the day, founding member Robin Hitchcock returned to the venue last night to perform a sellout show. Paul Christoforo spoke to Robin before the gig. So here we are at the Portland Arms. I'm with Robin Hitchcock, who's come back to celebrate, I suppose, 40 years since a gig um, that uh, seemed to uh, obtain legendary status almost immediately. Um, was it a folk club gig? Yeah, the Portland Arms Folk Club was here every Saturday and I first got to Cambridge in 1974 and I discovered that that's where the folk club was, um, which was run by Eric Granger but sort of hosted by Nick Barraclough and his wife Anne and various people who'd been either in Duke, Duke and the Dukes or Telephone Bill. Um, and so, ah, look, the pipes have, pipes have kicked in, folks. Never mind. Um, but, so, I'd been, I came here a lot in the mid-70s doing floor spots, and then we got the Soft Boys going, which was an electric, very noisy band, but we also discovered that we all quite like playing quietly acoustically so um so i don't know we managed to get booked that the they booked us for whenever it was november was it what was the date i think it was november the first that's the day Blimey, okay so it's almost this week it was yeah i'm sure it was a saturday night because that's when the cambridge yeah. folk club was and I think it might have been billed as Robin Hitchcock and the long-term inmates. Right. Or maybe maybe this was billed as the Soft Boys. I don't know, but we... And it was recorded on a reel-to-reel, a um, -reel, a man named Pete Haig, who was... Right, was that sort of official, or was he just around and plugged in unofficially? Uh, it was... It was... I mean, you know, we knew he was doing it. Right, we may so have even asked him to do it. Wasn't it wasn't I can't remember. <laughs> No, no, but it was recorded on a reel-to-reel, -reel, and then about five years later, um, Midnight Music, who were starting to re-release my old stuff, or my new stuff, I can't remember, but they, they released it as a mail-order cassette. Oh, I know what it was, Soft Boys. We had, we had a, a posthumous album called Invisible Hits because there was a lot of outtakes, so we... Yeah. That came out in '83, and if you sent off for it, you get a, you'd get this cassette. Um, and then I just noticed, sort of around the world, after that, people coming up and saying, "I sent Midnight Music ten dollars. I never got that cassette." You know, and where people wondering where it had gone or why it hadn't been delivered. But obviously, some people did get it. And then I think they finally released it on vinyl. Um, so that's how that gig came to be. Uh, you know, it got better known. It got, it, 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 if it has any legendary status, it's simply because it was kind of, it was this elusive cassette. Yes. And yes. then it was a, a rare LP, and it, it never came out on CD, and it, it won't come out on CD if I have anything to do with it because the royalties will be too complicated yeah, to yeah. split. There's too many performers and there's too many different songwriters, so the no one would actually make any money off it. Right. So, 
So okay. you don't just make a copy if you can find one. Yeah, I, I never, I never came to that gig. I was always annoyed because it seemed to be something you that you enough? should. Yeah, I was. Um, I'm, I'm, well, in seven, in four years ago, I was twenty. I should know that. Oh, Instant. okay. All right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, I was all around the place with, with gigs, but I didn't go to the folk club that often. Um, I met Eric Granger because he actually was the first bloke on a stage at the folk festival. I did a piece with him uh, years Is ago. Is he still around? I don't know. I haven't seen him for some time. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to think so. I saw yeah. him, but not not for uh, several years. Because when I see him, yeah, it's how you're doing. But uh, uh, maybe he is. Maybe I yeah. don't know. I'd like to think he is because he was such a nice chap. He worked in a place in um, Old Saints Passage that did music um, stuff, um, books, and other related yeah. things from memory. Anyway, um, did you have an idea of what did the gig seem as fantastic as it's? Got in everybody's mind retrospectively. Did it seem wonderful, or, or were you just singing your songs and not caring? It was fun. I think the thing is, it, it was very. This was really the height of punk, and the electric soft boys was very kind of embattled. Um, we were very loud anyway. The sort of people who were into punk didn't really understand us. Um, we felt the music press was against us, and um, so, and people, you know, were very aggressive. Audiences were aggressive at that point. They would spit or throw things, whether they liked you or not. Um, and coming back to the folk club, we were just acoustic. There were no amps to lug. There was no cables, no crap, and there was no. Um, there were, I don't. There were no microphones. You know, the only mics were, was Pete Haig's mics recording the show. So there was nothing between us and the audience, and it was very kind of. It was very Radio Four. You know, it was a nice sort of folky, middle-class kind of audience, and yeah. we were very... We were those sorts of people. We were not We were not the material from which the punks were hewn, you know? Um, you weren't young we, and rebellious. You were well, young we and well-educated. We were young right? and... Um, I would think. We didn't strike a rebellious pose. But and, you played... Uh, the, the soft boys were jagged, weren't they? They were, they were quite sharp. Our, the sound songs was, our sound was actually pretty abrasive. Yeah, and abrasive. The lyrics I was writing were pretty malevolent. The whole thing was actually very dark. And, and But if you take away the amps, the whole thing almost became a comedy act. You know, the others were all... There's some barbershop songs on yes, there. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. Andy Metcalf was very good at arranging that sort of stuff he loved barbershop things and, and um, it, it they sound a bit like Telephone Bill you mentioned them earlier but that, that, that sound seems to, to, to well he joined Telephone Bill afterwards you yeah. know but the, the gap it, I don't know I mean it, it's a bit but having said that all that stuff is a bit twee I suppose and the, yeah. the soft boys and them were, were electrically was anything but twee we were really right. kind of monolithic Kimberly's guitar was you know, it would leave scorch marks wherever it went, especially on my ears. Um, so it 
I don't know. I think, you know, that gig was a relief, is the answer to that. It's right. a relief mm. in the midst of the, the yeah. whole sort of sturm and drang that was going on all around, yeah. You, you played a, a sort of fair few... You, you seemed to have a, a big range of songs outside what the Soft Boys did to do, and you did... I mean, I can remember seeing you busking in town, which you did... I did used to busk yeah. at weekends sometimes, because yeah. I didn't have a... There were no ATM cards in there, so if I needed to pick up some money, I would go out and busk right. in Lion's Yard, yes, yes. So you were around the town, and I remember it well. Um, you've sold 200 tickets for what effectively is being called a 40-year anniversary gig in a folk club, so you've done fantastically well for that. That's brilliant. You must um, you must uh, be very pleased with uh, your progress, put it that way. Well, it's nice. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's not a soft boys show. It's a me show, although, yeah. coincidentally, Morris and Kimberley are both here, and so we will have about um, 25 minutes of... Essentially, essential sort of soft boys reunion, um, but very it'll be very quiet, you know, yeah. like it was at, at the at the Portland Arms. Right. Okay. Brilliant. Um, you sort of went from the soft boys stopped. Um, Robin and Hitchcock and the Egyptians came next, or was there a solo spell? I can't quite. I did two records on my own. Right. Um, one with with various soft boys on it and one with none of them. And, and the one with none of them, I'm afraid, wasn't so good. But And then I did a record completely on my own with nobody on it called I Often Dream of Trains. Um, and then I reunited with Maurice Windsor and Andy Metcalf and added Roger Jackson on keyboards who'd been another Cambridge guy and uh, James Fletcher, an old friend of mine on sax and that was that was Robin Hitchcock and the Egyptians and at that point I was I was a solo entity I didn't really want to be a, I never really wanted to be a, a soft boy I mean I'm pleased that, that I'm pleased that it's left its legend Yeah. but I'd always thought of myself fundamentally as a solo act the idea of the soft boys was a sort of phase you know yeah but it was um, the first phase, and it, it kind of it's it's lasted um, a cult like a cult status that you you seem to have has has grown. You're probably beyond it now. Yeah. Um, well, I think. I mean, how did, we were did, you were you hoping that you'd last forty years or more? You mean the old band? No, as, as an artist. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the whole point was it was done for the future. It wasn't done for now. We we we, we would have been a, if you judged us by the reaction of 1978 we'd have been catastrophic failures you know it the point is that it's it's slow release it's sort of worked out now you know it's it was done for the future just say that way Who wrote the book of love? Oh, baby, I've got to learn this. 